0: Good evening, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 13 of the Matt and Matt O-Scale Train podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rochford, and with me, as always, is my co-host,
1: Matt Suzuha
0: Matt, how are you doing tonight?
1: Fantastic. How about yourself?
0: Great. I'm doing great, actually. Tonight, we're going to talk about fallen flags in the O-Scale Train industry, and what I mean by that is all of the O scale train manufacturers that either went out of business or perhaps merged with another company for this particular podcast, though, we, we will probably just kind of focus on more of the modern companies like Weaver and K line. Cause the issue with that is that, you know, there, there are plenty of them out there. Um, Mark's American flyer Ives, but I don't have enough knowledge to, talk about those Me either. and perhaps in a future podcast that that's definitely something that we could bring up as a topic so tonight uh again you know for listeners just you know we're just going to kind of focus on more of the modern ones and what we want to do is we'll probably talk about uh the history of each one and then we'll talk about uh just you know matt matt and i's uh you know products that we own from that particular company, what we think about the company, and kind of go along, you know, those lines. So, Matt, unless you have anything else, um, we can get started. No, we're good. Okay, well, I'm going to take the reins and talk about K-Line, and what I'm going to do is going to talk a little bit about their history, uh, their establishment, and then and then, unfortunately their demise in the O-Scale industry, And what I'm going to do just to make this easy, uh, I'm just going to kind of read what I found on the Wikipedia page, uh, which I found, you know, to be very interesting. And it's, you know, uh, it's pretty good information and it's just the easiest way to do this. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start here. So MDK was founded in 1975 by Maury D. Klein, like competitor MTH, MDK was a large Lionel dealer and its mail-order ads appeared in magazines such as Model Railroader in the late 1970s. MDK first used the K-Line name on a line of aftermarket Lionel-compatible tubular track, as well as a copy of the A.C. Gilbert American Flyer line of two-rail S-Cage track, which Maury Klein acquired at Gilbert's demise. Now, Marks and Company's final demise in 1978 led to MDK increasing the K-line product line. In 1980, MDK purchased the tooling for Marx's plasticville, like Marksville buildings and accessories for train sets at bankruptcy. K-Line was able to recover additional Marx tooling by scavenging through old factories and warehouses in an off-repeated story. Maury Klein and his plant manager, Brent Chambers, found the molds for the Marks Model 333 and 1829 462 locomotives in a dilapidated Fisher Price warehouse near Buffalo, New York, in 1984. Hey, uh, that's kind of near you, Matt. Yeah, just a little uh, bit. That's <laughs> like, cool. that's have you been in that cool. warehouse
1: before? <laughs> no, I, don't, I hear nothing about
0: it. That's really cool. Know, it is, yeah. So the warehouse was unlighted, unheated, and was missing part of its roof. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's something. So, I know. <laughs> so by 1985, K-Line was producing 0 027 locomotives, cars, and figures, from former Marks and Kusin tooling and with minor changes began marketing them under the K line brand competing with Lionel at the low end of the market. The dyes mostly remain unchanged with only the branding changing. For example, Marksville plastic buildings became K lineville K line changed the couplers on the Marks derived trains to make the cars compatible with Lionel and eventually improve the graphics. Now, during the 1980s, K-Line filled much the same role that Marks had in the model railroading arena, supplying similar trains at a lower price than Lionel, but with less prestige. So we kind of skip forward and we're just going to go into the kind of the final days of of K-Line at this point. So uh, K-Line and Lionel were known to criticize one another's offerings in print advertisements and the two companies challenged one another in court as well. The two companies settled the the suit on August 10th, with K-Line agreeing to withdraw the infringing products by January 31st, 2006, and paying royalty to Lionel in the interim. K-Line also licensed some of its technology to Lionel and reimbursed $700,000 of legal costs. Shortly thereafter, the settlement fell apart, and on August 23rd, 2005 MDK filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. I October, excuse me, on October 27th, K line and Lionel reached a new settlement, including a permanent injunction against manufacturing products containing the disputed technology, a $2 million damage claim in its bankruptcy case and royalty fee access to several K line patents. K Line's 2005 bankruptcy petition stated that its annual sales were between seven and eight million. Over the next few months, K Line operations slowed, and there were numerous layoffs and rumors of potential purchasers, which were highly publicized among hobbyists. Hmm, that doesn't uh, remind you of anything. <laughs> on, <laughs> on February 16th, 2006, Lionel announced it had purchased K Line. Since Lionel was also in bankruptcy, the deal, which actually involved the purchase of K-Line by Sanda Khan, its Chinese subcontractor, followed by Sanda Khan's licensing of the trademarks and intellectual property to Lionel, took several weeks to become vinyl. The deal was finalized on April 18th, 2006, and Lionel made the announcement the following day. From 2006 through 2010, Lionel continued a limited run, of K-Line trains called K-Line by Lionel and issued separate K-Line by Lionel catalogs until 2010 when those products were folded into a section in Lionel's own catalog. Now, during the first few years of this K-Line by Lionel period, the extravagant passenger trains which which competed directly with Lionel's premium products were conspicuously or conspicuously Absent, With the initial offerings focusing more on K-Line's value line, increasing amounts of scale products, including some of the well-known 21-inch aluminum passenger cars, were added late in the Lionel's license period. In a twist of fate, Lionel now has, has possession of the rights to produce American Flyer tracks, which until now was missing from its American Flyer train line. More recently, the Lionel license expired and Sandicon sold the dies to several other companies, with some going to each of Atlas, Bachman, and RMT. So that kind of tells the story of, uh, you know, the the initial upbringing and origin of K-Line and uh, unfortunately its demise uh, in the early uh, to mid two thousands. So Matt, let's go ahead and just kind of talk about maybe some of the product or at least our opinions on K-line. And if you have any K-line products, we could just kind of talk about those and you know give our give our opinions. Um, I'll kind of pass the buck to you. Okay. Sounds good. So like I, you know K Line as a whole,
1: I feel they're a very underrated company. And let me kind of explain why. When you, know, when you hear about the modern O-Gage companies, you hear about MTH, Lionel, and Atlas. And, you know A little bit of Weaver here and there, and some K-Line, but K-Line is like at the bottom of the barrel, I think, as far as products go. And some of their stuff they made is extremely rare, extremely valuable, and you can't find it anywhere. You go to eBay, some of these things like their 21-inch passenger cars... Those passenger cars are worth their weight in gold. I mean, if you own them, you got, you know, trains are not an investment by any means, but you've really got something when you got a K-Line set of passenger cars because they're beautiful cars and they hold their value very well, just like Golden Gate Depot sets do. And, like, their engines and their rolling stock, they're fantastic. You know, I don't own one, but I want one. Is the uh, Hudson, the New York Central Hudson. That Hudson is probably one of the most detailed Hudsons I think I've ever seen. And they made some obscure stuff as well, like the 466T. And I'm sure we'll hit on this later that, you know, that Lionel does use some of those old K line toolings. That's one of them. And they're just a very great company, but like I said, underrated and underappreciated, at least in my opinion, anyways.
0: They have a lot of. Really, kind of unique stuff. They're they're almost kind of like I don't know if this is the best way to put it, but they're very um, MTH ish. If that kind of sounds, you know, kind of comes across right. I don't yeah, know if I, it does.
1: I, I think I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, they they make just like just very like across the board such interesting and uh, and unique products and. Like a lot of their stuff is, is just like either like very on the low end scale or just like just very just awesomely beautiful 18 inch, 21 inch passenger cars. Um, but you know, as far as like the products that I own for K line, so uh, I own a Great Northern EP5, uh, it's a Team CC. It's from, I believe, 2004, 2005. And this thing is just fantastic. Uh, It's like the details on it are spot on it. The colors are like accurate. It's it has teams. You know, it has the team CC, you know, sound package from 2004, 2005. I mean, it does not did not have road specific detail, uh, but it does have, uh, you know, the typical kind of team CC, you know, uh, with the the crew talk and the uh, tower talk, I guess if you want to call it that. So both pantographs on the EP five can be raised and lowered. Uh, They're held down by magnets. And what's kind of cool is you can actually uh, power. If you have an overhead uh, catenary system, uh, it can actually be powered by an overhead catenary system.
1: I was going to ask that if you could do that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah yeah that's pretty cool um you know it has like engineer figures in it uh it's um the speaker you on it is fine uh it's not like you know creeping slow legacy uh you know speeds but you know it's it's a it's a beautiful engine the paint job is there it's got tons of detail on it i I really really enjoy it uh, and I got it for like a steal of a price too so awesome. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was ridiculous, um, and that's one of the things that I noticed with K-Line stuff is, man, there there are folks out there that are just like, you know, I hate to say giving it away, but, you know, a lot of new K-Line stuff in boxes that people are just trying to say, like, you know what, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, like anything else, you know, I'm trying to get, get lower the, the amount of collection I have for trains, you know, I'll throw this up on eBay, see what I get. Um, You know, I have a set of um, uh, Santa Fe uh, chief uh, passenger cars. They're the silver heavyweights with like the red stripe down the middle. And I bought it. I actually bought it. Uh, so I bought those on eBay. And when I got them, they, the thing was brand new. It still had like this, the half kind of cellophane wrap on it. And I took these out and they're just Just amazing looking cards. Uh, People inside. The lighting is really cool. You know, it's not LED lighting, but so the dining car has uh, tables and vases, and it's just the the insides are, like, highly decorated. And these are 15-inch little cars. Like, this is not, like, a major, you know, legacy or kind of premier and line of uh, passenger cars, they're just like 15 inch cars that are just decked out. You know what I mean? Like if you took like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Lionel's kind of premier line of passenger cars and just made them 15 inches, you know, that that's what you're looking at here. And, um, you know, I run them in because, you know, I model in Santa Fe. You know, they look good behind any, they look good behind a steamer. They look good behind, you know, F3s and, e, you know, E6s, you know, whatever. So, uh, and then I have a K-Line smoking diner, which you're aware of as well, because you have. Yes, I do. Uh, you have the uh, the New York one or Pensy? Okay. New York. New York one. Okay. Yeah. So you have the New York one and I have the Santa Fe one and it's cool. It's it's just a neat little thing. It's like when I again I, I bought it and it was basically never used. Uh it uh it smokes, it makes um it plays music, like you know, it's like pretending like there's a jukebox in there or something. Uh and uh I'm impressed with Kaline's K line's quality, man. I have not had an issue. Uh they they're they look fantastic. Uh, I think I have a couple of K line cars too. Uh, I'll have, I'd have to remember because I'm not 100% sure, but I've added K line to like my my searches on eBay uh, and, you know, other places as well. Like when I go to my my local hobby shop and I'm looking for uh, some used things or stuff that people have sold that he, you know, engine wise that he put in that he puts in the glass cabinet. Man, if it's K line, I I took a harder look at it because it's usually the price is usually really marked very, very aggressively. And the model is usually just beautiful. So, you know, it's, I always, I always kind of mark those as like something to, to look out for when I'm out and about because, you know, I'm, I have no problem buying K Line anything. I, I, I'm looking for more things too. Like, even on, like I said, on eBay, like uh, I'll do a search for just straight up search for K Line Santa Fe and see what comes up because there's really great stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, like um, the segue into me, I didn't get a chance to say about my products, but um, like, you know, for me, I have, like we said, the diner, uh, which that thing is really cool. Mine, I need to get the smirk unit fixed in it. But um, it looks great. I converted it to LEDs, so it's got the nice, uh, cool white LED lighting in there. Uh, I have the bunk car on the base, which that thing's really cool. That thing smokes as well. And then, as far as uh, like actual stuff to run. Uh, I had some Hershey freight cars, but I sold those. Um, so the only thing I have right now, K-Line, to run is I have an eight-car set. I know, right? Eight-car set of um, Pensy passenger cars. They're 18-inch passenger cars. These are the old-school ones with the uh, silhouettes in the windows. And But let me tell you what, it's a beautiful, beautiful set. I just got those in last week. Uh, they're beautiful cars and since they're pensy run them with anything i got them with my k4 right now yeah but i've ran them with every pensy engine i own uh has seen them and they're fantastic cars and you know like i said i really feel that i'll definitely add k-line to my list of things to buy and i'm sure i'll find some great stuff from them soon here
0: yeah they had um uh, they just have a lot of high quality stuff, and yeah, I, I do like your passenger cars. I, those are just actually, you know, extremely beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, even for older older cars like that, you know, they're 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 fine. They're oh, just, yeah. they're fantastic looking. So and
1: they don't have you know the interior like the new ones do, but you know who cares? I mean, they're very nice cars.
0: The only thing that matters if you like them, that's all that matters. You right? got it. So yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like uh when their last episode, uh, Raven Hawk had mentioned that K-Line was actually one of the companies that started the black bonnet paint scheme for Santa Fe, which I found pretty cool. I, I know they had black bonnet, uh, you know, uh, products, but I didn't know that they were like the origin of that. So um, that kind of that kind of sparked me a little bit more to to uh, look for, you know. Cause, because and I say this because my Santa Fe diner is is a black bonnet Santa Fe super chief diner. Uh so uh, having a few more um I don't even know if I own any black bonnet stuff besides my diner. Um so I would actually be interested in adding some K line black bonnet Santa Fe stuff to my collection.
1: I think they they made an F3 and I think like seven or eight passenger cars to go with it so there's your black bonnet.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. Yep. There you go. So, just in summary for K Line, it's kind of a a sad tale for them. Um, I wish they could have lasted, uh, you know, a bit longer in the O scale industry. You know, they had that kind of battle with Lionel, and I'm sure everybody has their opinions on K Line and Lionel, and, you know, who did what, and pointing fingers here and there, and whatever. It's over. It happened in the 90s. Just, you know. There's, there's no Wayback Machine or Delorean that we can jump into and fix things, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, they just you know they make such. I'm, I'm very impressed with their products, and it's one of those things where I wish they could have continued on. But uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of glad that their tooling is still alive today, and that you could still find K-Line products in the in the in the aftermarket.
1: So for sure, really cool.
0: So let's wrap up. So that kind of wraps up, K-Line. Why don't we go over to Weaver and I'll pass the mic over to you and you can kind of give us the summary of like Weaver's history.
1: Okay, so for Weaver, uh, it started actually as quality craft models, and that was started in 1965 by Bob Weaver and his wife, Shirley. And it started as an operation producing. uh, Hold on. Ha ha there we go. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. All right, so Weaver actually started as quality craft models and was an American hobby manufacturer founded in nineteen sixty-five by Bob Weaver and his wife Shirley. It started as an operation producing wooden and white metal craftsman kits consisting of buildings and rolling stock in gauges from N to O. Then over time, Quality Craft grew into the major manufacturer and supplier of ready-to-run plastic and brass O gauge two rail and three rail model trains representing American railroad prototypes from the middle twentieth century to the first part of the twenty-first century. And this, uh, their original business was in the old single-story print shop located in on. Whitley Avenue in North Gumb- Northumberland, Pennsylvania. And we keep going down here. Uh, we'll talk about that the first plastic-injected O-gauge model produced was the Two-Bay Hopper in 1980, and it was around this time that the Weaver model's name was adopted. And we're just going to kind of summarize this so we're not here forever, but basically that Um, Atlas and AHM, which I believe is uh, American Models, uh, I believe, Um, they were unsuccessful at doing the plastic thing, and so Weaver did that and kind of brought that whole plastic uh, manufacturing to market. So uh, as far as models they made that were really, like, Out of this world, I guess, if you want to call it that, was they made a lot of really nice diesels, steam engines, passenger cars, freight cars, kind of like the normal thing. But they really did a fantastic job with the BP-20. That was an all brass uh, Pennsylvania. It was like a cross between the shark nose. Uh, It was was like a bigger shark nose. Let's put it that way. Um, That was beautiful. And they did the Weaver Pullman Bradley passenger cars. Fantastic cars. So then if we keep coming down here. Okay, so to the demise of Weaver. I right, so in 2015, Joe Hyder of Weaver Models announced his retirement and the closing of the manufacturing business in June. So, okay, so in June 2015, after 50 years in the model railroad hobby. Weaver was the last firm that produced or assembled a majority of their locomotives and rolling stock in the United States. During the company's years of operation, a number of extremely interesting and unique models were brought to the mar- to the marketplace. Weaver filled a void where, where up to the time they actually made a model, it was overlooked by other O scale manufacturers. Some of the unique innovations Weaver models included were the Pullman Bradley, which was American fire type passenger cars, the World War II. Troop sleeper cars, the kitchen, hospital, and express cars, the Weaver S3 Northern, and the F6A Baltic steam locomotives, the Northeastern cabooses, and the aforementioned BP-20 diesel locomotives. Uh, While some of these models were potentially become available from other manufacturers, it, it typically was Weaver's initial production of them that motivated the emulators. The scale coat paint that they use to paint all the models, um, those products were created by Quality Craft and were produced by a Minuteman scale models of Pepperell, Massachusetts. I believe that's how I'm saying that right. I do apologize. Uh, And that line... I believe Minuteman, or no, Coat. they're actually discontinued that right now. So that really kind of blows. So to any of you guys who like that paint, that's uh, really too bad. Uh, but it does say here that the paint products will continue to be available to modelers. Uh, unas- unassembled quality craft kits from the 1960s can still be found occasionally on eBay and train shows. In 2016, so this is part of the tooling acquisition So Atlas picked up the Weaver model tooling for products that were produced in China and started manufacturing of the 20-foot container loads in Evergreen, MOL, K-Line, the shipping company K-Line, not the company K-Line, and Hagen Markings. Atlas also acquired the tooling for the 280, the U25B, the RS-11, and the VO-1000 locomotives. The troop cars, uh, the Pullman Braille's, the War m- Emergency Gondolas, the b and Wagon Top Boxcar, and the H30 Hopper. Those are all uh, Atlas tools. So in addition to all of those rolling stock pieces that I mentioned and the engines, uh, the molds for the telephone poles were also uh, obtained. And Lionel, uh, they got some stuff out of this as well. They got the cars that were produced in the United States so, like for example, we have the box cars, the uh, fish belly flat cars, the gondolas. Um, there was some grain hoppers in there as well, um, and a few other things that I'm forgetting off the top of my head here. But those are all under the Lionel Lion Scale uh, product line, which. I don't know if that's even still a thing anymore. I, it may be discontinued as well because I haven't seen anything Lion Scale come out in years, and I don't think the stuff that they've cataloged has even been made yet. I could be wrong about that. Uh,
0: so, so you are correct that I haven't seen Lion Scale in their catalogs for at least the last two or three years. Now, uh, my local hobby shop does have a section of Lion Scale. All right. Uh, So there are there are indeed line scale uh, products out there. Uh, Now, when they stopped making them, I don't know, because they were all apparently made here or made at uh, Lionel. Now, I think they were. I think what had happened maybe is like that. This was kind of all happened like during their move, like to their new facility. So I don't know if they, I think they were making them at their old facility. Now, whether or not they started doing it, doing that at their new one, I I don't know. And I I don't think so, but I don't um, know. I don't want to quote anything because I'm just telling, I'm just kind of quoting off the top of my head, what I think is happening with line scale. We haven't seen it in the last several catalogs. So I don't remember what the
1: last thing they even had catalog was. Maybe line scale is now a fallen flag. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But um, it's like the, the stuff I've seen, it's, you know, weaver quality, which I think we should probably hit on. This is weaver quality for some of the stuff, you know, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but some of the weaver quality has not been the greatest as far as like items, you know, like I'm right here next to me. I have four uh, weaver boxcars and they're okay you know they're styrene plastic for the molds which that's part of the reason why they're able to be in america was they didn't have to do the injection plastic molding because it's all styrene plastic that was used but they're lightweight the trucks and couplers are plastic they're not metal like we're used to seeing i said they're very lightweight they don't track very well and like i said this is not an bashing thing but it just you know some of their stuff was not the greatest and their stuff was very good but the cars i have here are kind of their subpar
0: you know it's interesting when you were talking about the history of Weaver the um something that came up uh when you're talking initially about uh them making rolling stock is when you said plastic and i'm like wow weaver i'm like like i never would actually ever think of the term plastic and associate that with weaver you know, because you think weaving, when you think, you hear Weaver uh, for O-Scale, and you think like, okay, brass or or some type of die cast, right? Yeah, br- brass or die so, cast, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, their original yeah. stuff, like the, um, I didn't mention it here, but like the early steam engines, the M1B, the, uh, what were some of the other ones? The Hudson's that they did, those are all brass, all brass. Yeah. Um, steamers and then they move to die casts which you know it's understandable nothing wrong with that but it's like you know it's the, cheaper oh yeah. yeah but the brass stuff it's like you know yeah that's the top of the top as yep. far as models go
0: oh yeah because you know brass is obviously a, a more uh, expensive uh, metal that's more expensive to make because it's a more pure um uh you know metal type uh you know when when it's said and done uh you know compared to like just basic kind of die cast so i have one i have one uh i have one weaver (laughs) it's a dr pepper i think holiday car it's actually really cool i like i like it it's it's the only one i have it was it was at my local hobby shop and um it was I got it really cheap too. Like he actually still has a whole bunch of Weaver stuff uh, that you know people bring in, people trade in, and I've looked through them. Uh, you know the Dr Pepper one was the only one that kind of um, piqued my interest because you know I'm a big Dr Pepper fan and and um, I haven't seen too many Dr Pepper cars, so I'm like okay I'll buy this. This is a good price. I'll pay that. <laughs> cool. But um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a beautiful car. The paint job is really really nice on it. Uh, I can't as far as uh, when it comes to like engines and stuff, uh, I can't unfortunately give my opinion on that because I've never owned a Weaver engine before. Uh, But as far as I know from the YouTube videos that I've done, and I think Eric from Eric's Trains um, had a couple or at least one or two videos where he did a um, kind of like a – running and a little review of a weaver engine uh i was very impressed like they were just like holy cow that's that thing's beautiful and boy is it is it detailed so
1: Mm -hmm. the uh the detail on the weaver stuff is great you know um i had a uh pennsylvania 280 that actually traded for my j uh, my mthj and it was a very nice engine the detail on it was really really good but the uh, operation and sound was subpar, and okay. it's not a fault of Weaver. That's the, uh, at the time, the EOB, which is Engineer Onboard, which is a subset of Lionel using the licensed um, technology from them. It was there. it didn't have um, the whole, you know, Odyssey speed control and all that sort of thing. It was it was just basically a DC can motor tied to a TMCC board. And so it didn't oh, wow. have cruise or anything. So I was going
0: to say, it, did not, it didn't even have like a cruise control on it no. or anything? You okay. could
1: get it, but this particular engine didn't have it. I, they made it in two versions, okay. I guess. They made one with cruise and without cruise. I happened to get okay. the one without cruise. Okay. Um, but it was a nice engine, but it, it just... Its operation was poor. The sound system was okay, but the, the speaker was terrible. The, this speaker, <laughs> I'm not kidding you, like, uh, it was maybe, um, oh, it was a tiny, tiny little thing. Like, like the cap on a water bottle, that's probably like, no, I, that's probably about the size of the speaker that was in it. This thing was incredibly tiny. Incredibly tinny. It just it (laughs) sounded horrible. But so it blew like within like two days of me owning it. And it's like the sound was kind of it was intermittent coming in and out, in and out. It was like, you know what the heck with this thing. So my friend, he said, Hey, uh, you know, you want the J? What do you got to trade? I said this. And then uh one of my engines that he said, you know what, you want it back, which is a Pensy. Uh, Seashore E6, which I'll get to that eventually. Um, That one's getting a legacy upgrade. but So I traded those two for the J. Okay. Very, very cool. Now, one side note, and I don't mean to bring this up for any other reason, but that in the early 90s, uh, MTH and Weaver actually had kind of a collaboration, I guess. And so what they did was Weaver did the locomotive for whatever the passenger set was and then MTH made the passenger cars. So like the one that comes to my mind right away is the Lehigh Valley John Wilkes uh passenger set. So MTH did the seven passenger cars and then Weaver did the Brass uh Pacific, I think it was Pacific or Hudson one of the two. Um very beautiful set, extremely rare and very expensive. Uh, that one that's a Weaver Holy Grail. If you're going to have one, is that set very expensive set, but very cool nonetheless.
0: Yeah, just to kind of just really quickly, just to kind of go back on your not to beat a dead horse, but just to go back on your <laughs> on your comment about speakers. Like, I don't understand. Like, why? Like, speakers are not that expensive. Like, why are why are some of these manufacturers putting just you know, hands off to Lionel because they usually put nice speakers at least in their midline to top of line products mm-hmm. but i never I never understood that like like mth is kind of guilty of this too because some of their stuff like mth was always kind of like hit and miss like some of their products man the speaker was great it's fantastic and then you get a like a like either the same engine a couple of years later and it would just have the worst speaker ever in it oh yeah <laughs> like like why why are you putting these speakers in these things that's like to me like sp- the sound of the engine is like one of the most like important things at least so this is a perspective from me and an opinion and and i don't mean to uh digress into another topic here uh i just kind of was thought that we should you know it was you know as we're talking about speakers you know let's talk about speakers but <laughs> yeah right um because the because the uh, just to jump back on K-line, the speaker that's in my EP5 is actually pretty decent. Um, it's actually a pretty large speaker and it, it actually sounds really good. Now the quality, you know, because of the samples they use for the for the, the sample audio f- files aren't the best, but the speaker's nice and it you know it it you know makes the thing sound pretty nice. But um, again, I just just wanted to make a comment on there. I don't understand why super expensive diecast steam engines have such sometimes they just put such lousy speakers in those things mm-hmm. so know, and
1: sometimes know. you know with speakers it when you see a thin speaker like that like a pancake speaker you almost think like sound was like an afterthought it's like you know yeah why <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yep. yeah it's ridiculous yep.
0: i mean you know granted it's probably it's if it's if you get the right uh, if you if you know the correct ohms and stuff like that, it's easy uh, to, to get or put a replace a nice replacement in there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, why not just like it, I would pay extra like if Lionel said or whoever said, look, we're going to add an extra twenty dollars to this engine. But we're going to put we're going to add that to this quality of the speaker. I'd be like, fine. Yeah, whatever. You know what? Buy a $50 speaker and you could tack on 50 bucks and I will pay it. Mm-hmm. I want it to sound awesome. But again, that's me. You so.
1: want a steam engine or a diesel to have so much bass your your windows are red. Ah,
0: you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> telling you, my, my Burlington Northern F7 super bass unit is ridiculous ridiculous the sounds that it it is crazy i have to i have to literally i never have to turn down my speakers but i have to turn this thing down because it is the quality is there but the it is so freaking loud that i have people uh family upstairs um are like what is going on down there (laughs) like sorry uh but um yeah i mean again i'm digressing but um um, i just kind of just Thought that was the uh, you know an important thing. We're, we're talking about the you know Weaver and K-Line and uh you know engine quality and parts qualities and stuff like that. So I thought I'd just bring speakers up. But yeah. for the I mean body wise, I mean there's like you know the, they're on the they're kind of on the level of Atlas, right? Weaver is oh, yeah. oh so, yeah for sure. You know, thing, it's just like beautiful, detailed. Some you know some of them were brass, like you said. I mean, mm-hmm. probably you know. Doesn't even even compare to like even some of the you know Lionel Legacy stuff out there. Um, you know, not counting the vision. Yeah, well, we won't count the Vision Line stuff. I'm talking about more like you know um, uh, standard leg- Legacy Line, yeah, Legacy yeah. Line stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I if if there's some Weaver engines out there that I would be interested in. Uh, I, I just I, I've I've looked them up on eBay and some are. You know they they can be a little bit expensive, but they do make some unique models that Lionel doesn't make. Which um, because I think Weaver makes a, um, gosh, they make a they make an a Hiawatha, but it's not the Atlantic Hiawatha. It's like the what were they the the Hudson the Hudson Hiawathas. Yeah. Yes, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Weaver makes a Hudson Hiawatha, and it's just yeah they do awesome looking mm. um and that would be something that i would actually be interested in so
1: they also made a blue goose
0: they did oh man why do you have to say that man i'm not gonna i <laughs> gotta yeah i'm not going to i got to yeah <laughs> i not going to find one all right let me add that to list. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> mm-hmm. hey they uh, yeah. made an
1: empire state express for me so that'll get my money <laughs>
0: oh they did mm-hmm. oh that's right yeah so there you go there's some good examples of like stuff that that weaver has made that you know lionel has not made. now granted you know mth ha- has made the hiawatha hudson's um and mth has also made the you know empire straight expresses and the blue goose um that's but you story. know because we don't know you know where we're going with mth uh and who's going to get their tooling uh you know it's um maybe we won't get their tooling right so maybe i will be either you know either i'll have to buy the mth version or find a weaver equivalent
1: Mm -hmm. and you know like this brings up a point with uh streamlined steam you know in the 90s like the later 90s like 96 97 you know, MTH, they brought out all of the streamlined steam. However, there's one big problem with it that still has not been rectified. They're all semi-scale. They have not made a premier steam scale steam engine. Like, I think they've brought out like a dozen of them. I think they've only made like four in scale. All the rest have been semi-scale only. In the, uh, meanwhile, Weaver, they did all of the scale steam they did like the uh union pacific 49er um they did that one in scale mth has never touched that um they did others that i'm forgetting off the top of my head but that one jumps out right away you know that's a beautiful engine if you want to scale one your only choice is weaver
0: i've seen that that uh that model the 49er that thing is great i love those colors on that thing too yeah, I b- back in the day, uh, a couple years ago, when I was more into um, MTH semi scale, uh, I almost pushed I almost I almost to click the button on that 49 or several times because um, I really, really wanted one. But I was, uh, you know, I was up and down on it because it was it was beautiful. Uh, MTH is real uh, imperial. Uh, 49er is actually really fantastic looking it's just it's it's again it's semi-scale so it's i wasn't sure if i wanted to go down that route sure uh where nowadays i i probably won't i i i don't think i'm going to be going down the um the semi-scale route anymore with steam engines because i've mm-hmm. had i've had i've had a, I've had a, a taste of the apple of uh, scale steamring steam engines, and now I, I have to continue with the scale steam oh, engines. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like my dad, he's got the uh, Rail King Empire State Express, which again Weaver made the scale version, and you know that's a beautiful engine, but you know it's like oh, it's semi-scale, just a little
0: too tiny
1: for me. Yep. Yeah, but um, yeah,
0: it just it's it's one of those things where the problem. Not, not I shouldn't say the problem, but the thing with me is like all, all every single one of my diesels are all scale. Right. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the size of the semi scale, you know, it all kinds it, it can look a little a little strange sometimes. Now, I can get away with it with my my line master big boy uh, because it's just it is a it is one of the larger semi-scale it's type a engines. of an engine <laughs> yeah it's 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 already large but it's also um t- to scale wise it's actually pretty big when it comes like you know semi-scale can kind of be seen like in like semi-scale can be can be a a wide variety of ranges right there isn't really an at true uh like uh, measurement for semi-scale, right? I mean, because different engines are going to be different scales, and you know, I don't know if they're one, you know, what one fifty-three, oh, yeah. one, uh, you know, one sixty. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, the exact measurements, but, um, you know, I know the the the, the big boy is pretty large for, um. I think it's about as big as uh, big as you can go for semi scale, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. so I can get away with it a little bit on that one. Sure, oh, yeah. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, good to, to, to kind of not to, again, get off track again, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll be definitely looking uh, at Weaver on eBay, uh, especially for some of those uh, unique uh, engines that aren't really made by anybody else. And in the scale kind of section. Sure. And
1: uh, one thing, what, what you mentioned articulated semi-scale steam, and one thing that is kind of interesting is that K-Line made the Allegheny um, in semi-scale. However, there's a big problem with it, and that was they made it to 164th or S-gauge proportions with an O-scale underframe. It looks really funny. Really, Yeah. It's, oh my god. It's really <laughs> weird looking. But I mean it gets the job done. And actually, um uh probably should talk about this during the K line part, but the that Allegheny Lionel actually tried to make that again in the Lion Chief plus two point oh line, but they canceled it.
0: Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up after after the after after our show tonight. I'm kind of curious of what that looks like. So. It's
1: it's out there. Let's put it that way. All right. And uh, one thing that I forgot to mention, I don't know. I keep forgetting about this and I keep mentioning like every show is my uh, Tuscan Red K4 that I know DJ loves. <laughs> DJ, if you're listening to this, thanks, man. Um, <laughs>
0: But I don't know. I can't tell if you're either either taking taking DJ or just you're jabbing at DJ. I don't maybe, maybe both if you like DJ. I like you DJ. I want yeah, right? you to come back. So yeah, right? <laughs>
1: But uh, that's actually a um old K-line tooling, believe it or not. Uh, okay. So it, okay. it's really cool. It's like, you know, you want the best of both worlds you want the k-line mold with the line electronics well there you go so really pretty cool stuff
0: all right that's cool all right well i you know i i don't have anything else at least for myself if you had anything else matt no i think i basically got everything out okay all right, well I think this was a really great episode. I think it was um, you know, as much information as 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 we can give and what we had available access to us. I mean, you know, we could probably do a whole episode on K-line if we really wanted to. Um, but you know, we thought it would just condense it down into kind of like a, you know, summarize and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I, I really like this topic tonight. It was something a little different and uh, just something to kind of come off of our uh, our previous large catalog episode. Um, that was um, that was a little long. I just <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, uh, where can people find you on social media?
1: They can find me on YouTube under Matt Dash Train Lover 9943. And I'm also on Facebook under the
0: same name. Alrighty, and I can be found on YouTube at West Chicago Model Railroad and on Facebook under the same name. So that wraps up episode 13 of the Matt and Matt Oskill Train podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening and subscribing. Again, uh, we can be found on iTunes and Google Podcasts and, of course, uh, you know, on our uh, home base on Podbean. So if you have any comments, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, on iTunes, on Google. Um if we we would really appreciate if you could leave a rating on any one of those that re- that really helps us uh you know get our show out there and you know we 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 really enjoy doing this and we want to get more subscribers and we would like to get more feedback too because um we're really open to hearing what you guys want if anybody has any topics out there that they want to talk about uh please feel free to uh leave that in um other feedback uh in any of the uh the, you know the podcast uh, applications and with that said uh again thank you everybody and have a wonderful night
1: thank you